Y'all ready for this? Let's get back. Let's do it. We're back at you. The Deep Cover Podcast. Uh, stay home order edition here in <laughs> I'm joined by, uh, as always, Chris and Carrie, um, your humble tri host, Mike. And uh, as always, uh, we've got a lot of Ravens content uh, to, to discuss tonight. Um, we're going to try to uh, make a little more headway in our uh, first round pick, uh, pick number 28 matchups. Uh, if you've been following along with that, we're going to try to kind of move that forward a little bit more tonight. But before we get into any of that, let me touch base with the guys. Kerry, let me start with you. What's going on, man? How you doing? Good, man. Feeling good. You know, feel like we got um, a lot of things to hit on, but I feel like we can, you know, get to a lot of what we want to get to. Um, still staying safe out here, staying out the way. I hope hopefully everybody's doing the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. As I mentioned here in, in Maryland, the governor is ensuring that we stay out of the way. Ensuring <laughs> a stay home order. So, uh, you know, watch yourself out there if you're if you're listening here in Maryland and, and you know, uh, you're still trying to be out there and do some stuff. Just be careful, man, because uh, there's a. Uh, Fines and or up to one year in jail. So don't mess around. Uh, Chris, let me let me go to you, man. How you been doing? I'm good, man. Uh, I, I feel like like Will Smith and I am legend every day that I got to go to work because um, I'm, <laughs> I'm an essential worker and it's, it's empty in Manhattan right now. <laughs> hey, man, you 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 are out there uh, among that that brave group of people who, who've been designated essential, who, who don't have a choice. Still got to get out there and move through the streets, uh, come into contact with people. Uh, so, you know, God bless you, man. I, it's it's, it's got to be it's got to be a little weird out there right now. It is, man. But, hey, got to do what you got to do and, you know, help these folks out. Everybody needs a helping hand right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're all we're all in this together. That's that's for sure. This is the one thing that this kind of thing always reminds you of that. It doesn't matter how much money you got. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. None of that matters when it comes to diseases and stuff like that. Uh, at least this particular one. I mean, every everybody is is affected by it. So um, that's that's for real. So let's get into some of our stuff tonight. Um, try to bring us back up a little bit. You know, thinking about Corona can 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 be a little bit of a downer, but let's try to come back up. But we'll start with one thing that. Maybe he's a touch of a downer, but hey, it happens, and, and, and it's the way things go. Uh, Michael Brockers, um, who had reportedly signed a multi-year deal with the Ravens, that fell through. Um, you know, there was some reports that came out that uh, Brockers' ankle injury that he had suffered uh, back during the 2019 season was maybe a little more uh, serious or, uh, you know, some, something to be concerned about. Uh, from the Ravens' perspective, it sounds like the Ravens tried to uh, sort of come back at him with some different contract terms to kind of mitigate some of that risk uh, that that ankle uh, evaluation seemed to carry, and they couldn't come to an agreement. So the two sides decided to part ways. So, Chris, I'll start with you on this. Um, what's your thoughts on that deal? I mean, I think we were all pretty high on Brockers and, and what he what he seemed to be able to bring to the defense, but you know, it, it, it didn't happen. So, um, you know, what do you think? 
Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty shocking when I when I saw it because you know there were the rumblings last week that uh, that the deal you know hit a hit a bit of a snag, and uh, I was you know kind of optimistic and I was like you know what it, it'll still happen it'll still happen and then I wake up the next morning and that's the first thing I see and I was I was kind of devastated to be honest because we watched him and and he was a great fit for this defense I mean his length his versatility. It was it was a, a bit refreshing to see that uh, that kind of player that was going to be lined up next to Brandon Williams in this defense. You know, it was a big change from you know the the stumpy big three forty Michael Pierce that we had. It was going to be a more more versatile player and a longer player, and uh, it was just uh, it was just sad, man. Sad to see see the deal fall apart. But I get it. You know, they they obviously found something they weren't comfortable with. Uh, in his physical and um you know i don't blame him either because he had a deal in place and they wanted to change it so i'm he's i i get his point of view too like i'm not going to take less money when we agree to something else so i i get it on both sides just i just wish i wish they could have called me to mediate (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you you definitely do have to respect both parties i mean they're they're acting in their their own self-interest so you know you understand all of that and i think you you summed it up well it was sad it was it was almost brandon carr level sad for me Mm -hmm. not quite there but it was close um but but carrie let me let me hit you on this how do you how do you feel and what are your thoughts about the brockers deal uh falling through yeah, so I think it's just one of those things. It's one of those uh, downsides to, um, to you know, this COVID-19 situation. It's kind of created a new normal that we're all trying to cope with and, um, you know, work through. But on, uh, you know, from a NFL level, you know, teams not being able to uh, have uh, their doctors look at guys and do their the physicals in their build and you know creates these situations like this. Um, so you know for the Ravens, uh, you know they just didn't want to take a thirty million dollar gamble, uh, which is you know obviously what they felt like this would be in their eyes. You know with the concerns they had uh, with the injury. Um, yeah, I mean it just it, it sucks because I felt like he was. Uh, uh, flexible kind of lineman like Chris said you know bigger longer a little bit rangier guy and I think his addition like really really tied up um, that position for the Ravens and I think it would have created a chance to be like super super flexible in the draft with the type of um, defensive lineman that they that they would have uh, selected you know maybe somebody that that was more on the developmental scale um, but, you know, somebody that could, um, you know, maybe offer some things that they haven't had on the line. Now, they can still do that, but, you know, there may have to be some tweaks to that uh, with a guy that, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, um, um, you know, coming up here soon. But, um, you know, I think that uh, at the end of the day, like you said, the guys have to make the best decisions for themselves and the teams have to make the best decisions uh, for themselves. And, you know, unfortunately those ends didn't meet in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's a, a great uh, way to transition and, and get us back up uh, to the move that they made uh, shortly after the Brockers deal falling through. And that was to sign Derek Wolf from the Denver Broncos. So I'm going to stay with you on that, Carrie. Derek Wolf 
different type of player, different skill set from Michael Brockers, but another addition to the defensive line. Uh, how do you see his fit uh, with, with this defensive line group? Yeah, what's interesting about him is um, you can make the argument that he might impact the pass defense next season more than than Brockers would have. Um, you know, we had that, you know, film session when we watched him, um, you know, kind of push night that was. Um, but I was kind of thinking about it, you know, before I laid down and I, and, and a comp came to mind that I threw out on Twitter of Draymond Green uh, with with their wolf. Um, for me, he's a guy that is unselfish defender out there setting screens kind of facilitating for others. Um, he's not the guy that's going to be out there averaging 20 uh, shot attempts. If we want to, you know, kind of use that basketball analogy, he's going to be more of a, a point creator than a, a score. Um, you know, there were uh, multiple times we saw him kind of stop his rush in pass rush situations. Um, and it seemed to be because he was, trying to set up games with other defenders, whether that be an edge defender or, or you know, one of the tackles. Um, <laughs> I remember one play where uh, it seems like he was expecting a game to be set up with him in a defensive tackle, and he kind of, like, stopped, and the defensive tackle, I guess, didn't pick up on it, and they their timing was off, and he pretty much just, like, yanked the guy and pulled him into the right gap. So, I mean, that's that's what I see with this guy, an unselfish defender that, you know, will uh, create opportunities for his teammates. Now, this isn't to say that, um, you know, he can't go out there and win one on ones. Um, you know, he'll win his fair share of those. Um, he's an active guy. Yeah, um, he's a you know quick guy and he does have some punch, you know, when he wants to. And, um, you know, he shows some second effort. Um and I think that he's going to make a great effect on this um, this um, Ravens uh, pass rush, you know, whether it be a facilitator or a guy that can just go out there and win uh, against guards and centers. Um, so that's from a play standpoint, that's how I feel about him. Um, you know, he's had some injuries. I think his snaps is going to have to be managed and they'll likely have to bring in another option at that three technique um, spot that, you know, maybe brings a little more size to the equation and maybe can, um, you know, do a little bit more of the grunt work, uh, you know, on those early downs against power, um, power running teams. And that's not to say that, um, you know, Wolf can't handle something like that. He can more than hold his own, but I think they'll probably have to bring another um, option in or maybe that option is uh, Dalen Mack or, or Justin Ellis. Um, you know, we'll see, but. That's kind of uh, where I am with Wolf, but, um, you know, definitely a quality, quality signing. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And another another guy similar to Campbell in that he's been a part of winning teams. He was on that 2015 Super Bowl team uh, with the Broncos who who beat the Panthers in that game. So, you know, both guys, veterans. Have, have been in big games, obviously Wolf in the biggest game and the Broncos winning that game. But, um, you know, that's that's a, another another one of those things that I look for is um, obviously we look at the player and we look at what they do on the field and their skill set. But also, you know, what, what if what's the environment that they're coming from? You know, what what kind of environment and culture have they been a part of with their previous team? And, and he's he's got that on his resume um, in, in a similar way to Calais Campbell. So. Chris, let me uh, let me throw it over to you now. 
Um, you lose Brockers, that falls apart, but then you get Derek Wolf. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's not a, it's definitely not a bad backup plan, and um, it just it, it reinforces the plan that they have uh, as far as the defensive front and how they wanted to get bigger and more athletic on the on the the defensive uh, line unit, and uh, that's what he brings. I mean, he's you know six five, two eighty five. Uh, he's you know we looked up his his uh, mock draftable spider chart when he came out, and you know he's a little older now, so of course it's not going to be the same, but when we when we had that film session, like Kerry said, um, you could see it where, you know, a, an offensive lineman would try to cut block him, and he would just bounce right back up like like a cat. And that's he, there was some rare movement skills for a six five, two hundred eighty five guy. So that was that's something that you you can really tell the Ravens want to hit on and just get a, a little bit more athletic in the front. And uh, he's another versatile piece. Who, who can be moved around on the line. And uh, the part that, that does scare me a little bit and carry hit on it was the injury concerns. And uh, like he said, it was, they would have to have to you know, keep him on the snap count. Um, I know we watched the games on Saturday and we saw that the Broncos were using him in a very, very limited, uh, limited snap count. And I know Kerry said that there was like, uh, he had some injuries in the beginning of the year. I think it was. I don't know. Can you refresh my memory? Was it the beginning of the year that he he had like a bunch of snaps against Oakland, and then a couple games after that, then he might have had an injury, and then it just his snaps just took a dip after uh, having an injury. Yeah, I forget which week, but I know it was early in the year, and he went out with an injury, and then it seemed like his snaps just dipped. From there on through to the um, to the towards the end of the year before he went out with that elbow injury. Mm, yeah, so that's that's something that they, that they definitely have to guard against. And I know it's a, a plan that they had with Pernell McPhee last year, and they weren't able to stay on that plan. And then Pernell McPhee ended up having to go on IR. So I feel like they have to guard against that and just make sure that they stay ahead of this and. They have guys who can rotate in and out, so you know they are they don't have another Pernell McPhee situation on their hands where a guy they have a plan for a guy to have a certain amount of snaps, but then you know that gets doubled, and you know we end up facing a, a guy having an injury for for the whole season. Yeah, that that definitely is something that um, we'll, we'll I know we'll all be keeping an eye on and. If you just look back at at 2019 and the Ravens defensive line and and sort of their snap count percentages, um, Brandon Williams uh, played the most of all the the defensive linemen. Now I'm I'm, I'm excluding uh, outside linebackers like uh, you know Judon or or Ferguson, but kind of like you know the bigger defensive tackle, defensive end type guys. Brandon Williams played just about 53%, almost 54. Uh, Michael Piggers 49%. Chris Warmly, almost 46. He's 45.7%. Um, so, you know, those those guys rotated, you know, and, and, and the numbers were, were pretty close there. Obviously, Pierce is gone. Warmly's gone. And so you look at Campbell and Wolf stepping into not necessarily the same usage role, but maybe, you know, from, from a snap count percentage role, if you can stay kind of around those numbers for both of those guys um, with, maybe, uh, with maybe Wolf now being the 
the 48, 49% guy and Campbell maybe being the 53, 54% guy, maybe even a little more because Campbell's actually played like 70% of the snaps uh, in, in, in his Jacksonville days, which is actually really high. But uh, one one thing we know Wink really likes to do is, is rotate those guys up front. So I think that could actually help, uh, help both guys. And you know, before we, we, we transition to our next topic, um, you also got to got to include the the, um, you know, the the nickname opportunities with a guy like Wolf. Right. A lot of a lot of good puns in there when your last name is Wolf. A lot of hunting puns can go on some, some wolf howls. Uh, <laughs> you know, you get some good the, stuff in there when you got the wolf pack. Like that. Yep. The wolf pack. I mean, they already have the wolf pack. And now does he get to be a member of the wolf pack because his name is Wolf? So, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there with a name like that. So that's that's always fun uh, when you yeah, get some I saw good a wolf names. of um, Wolf of Russell Street thrown out there. I kind of like that Look one. That. See, look at that. Man, I'm telling you, a lot of good pun opportunities when your last <laughs> name is Wolf. <laughs> so before we get into our brackets, um, this is kind of a, a good intro into into some draft discussion. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, uh, former Ravens and Philadelphia Eagles scout front office personnel type. Uh, I think a, a guy who, you know, we all uh, like to follow and listen. Uh, for those who don't know, he has a, a podcast with Bucky Brooks called Move the Sticks podcast. Really good podcast. Uh, if you're into the whole player evaluation team building space, highly encourage that. You know me. Um, I'm never going to hate on another podcast or somebody else out there doing good work it's not it's never going to be all about hey listen to us don't listen to anybody else uh i'm never going to roll like that um he put out his updated top 50 list so um typically you know those guys over at nfl network will do uh a couple different versions of mock drafts he does a top 50 maybe i think bucky may do a top 50 maybe one of the other guys i don't know if they all do top 50s i know they all kind of rotate through mocks um but this is his second version or third version, Chris? I can't remember. I think uh, third version, third version. So um, that's something that we kind of wanted to touch on. So let me start with you, Chris. Um, any anything that that caught your eye about this this updated version of, of DJ's top 50? Um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll start off with um, with someone that isn't in the top 50. And that's uh, Neville Gallimore. Mm. He has him outside of the of the top 50 he previously had him at number 45 and this is a guy that's getting you know first round buzz uh late first round guy or early second round guy and for him to have him outside of the top 50 was really really surprising because there's no doubt that physically neville gallimore is just an athletic freak and uh, i know we're going to talk about him a little bit later so i don't want to get too much into his game but that was just something that i found I found interesting and and I don't think anyone else really has him lower than than that because I've never seen him outside of you know at least the top 40. Yeah going back to his combine um you know obviously the 40 is impressive right for a guy who weighed in at 6'2 304 pounds to run 479 uh is impressive. <laughs> On the other end you know sort of his agility drills not so great uh, 7.973 cone, 501 20 yard shuttle. That's the six and the in the second. That's a number two, uh, percentile respectively for those. Um, but you know that's athletic profile. Obviously, this guy's running around in shorts. That's not that's not on the field and how guys move on the field. I think if you 
if you watch him and you watch how he moves on the field is, and I, I was able to get a couple games of him in, uh, he, he moves extremely well and you'll see him pursue ball carriers, you know, um, He'll flatten out down the line if a running back bounces outside to the left or to the right and pursue those guys out towards the sideline. Uh, and that, that's impressive for a defensive you know, tackle body type to, to be able to move like that. So that is interesting uh, that that he he ended up bumping Neville Gallimore out. Carrie, let me let me throw it over to you. Any anything catch your eye or any names, any surprises, anything uh, with DJ's updated top 50? Yeah, I got two. Um, the first one was uh, DeAndre Swift um, all the way up at 16. And I know it's taboo um, to to talk running back and um, and the Ravens as far as the draft, as far <laughs> as taking one early. But I'm just going to just going to throw it out there. I'm not saying I'm advocating for it, but I think people have a kind of closed minded view of things. Um, but I mean, Let's just say we're not even going to say DeAndre Swift. Let's just say a top running back in his draft. And, and you know, I can kind of paint the picture um, as to why that would kind of make sense. Um, when you look at the top um, running back prospects, you know, recently in drafts, uh, they are pretty much among the safest uh, bets in, in the draft. Uh, you'd be getting a guy who projects as an upper tier talent at the position um, and it, you know, a running back position that usually transitions, um, you know, very quickly. Um, the Ravens could save uh, lose about five million in space if they moved on from Mark Ingram uh, after the 2020 season. Um, you know, that's something to keep in mind with these extinctions coming up with Ronnie Stanley and uh, Marlon Humphrey. And, you know, say if it is Swift, um, you would have Swift on a rookie um, scale deal. You have, um, uh, Justice Hill on a rookie scale deal, and then uh, Gus Edwards on a uh, restricted free agent tender in 2021. So there's an opportunity there to to be a relatively cheap group for three seasons um, without having to sacrifice talent. You know that would be you know uh, one of the better um, running back groups um, out there, and then you're not really paying much for them. So um, I think you can always kind of, uh, you know, just look at it at face value and say, yeah, um, you know, the Ravens don't need a running back. We don't need to do this. But I think there's, um, you know, an angle, an opportunity here for them to, um, to you know, use that to their advantage. So, you know, we'll get into DeAndre Swift more later, but I think that's interesting to have them all the way up there at 16. And then another guy that caught my eye was um, uh, LaVisca Chenault at uh, 36 and uh, this one was tough for me because I, I feel like he's a talented player but I think he's definitely uh, um, a projection um, I saw good hands I saw explosiveness uh, the guy's a tank in the open field um, but he didn't seem nearly as comfortable outside the numbers and down the field as he was inside the numbers uh, now you can scheme him the ball all day long and you know you can get him free releases um, I think he if you're talking about, you know, just Baltimore specifically, uh, he fit well um, in some of these concepts I saw from Greg Roman last year or these in breaking routes. Um, but if you're taking him in the late first, early second round range, uh, you're basically betting on the those nuanced receiver skills to kind of get up to a solid to at least a solid level. 
And with all the wide receiver talent in this draft, I don't know how comfortable I am, you know, making that bet with everything else that's on, on the board at that position. So, you know, those were my two kind of biggest takeaways from this top 50. Mm, for me, I'll throw in a name. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he, he was in the top 50 before. I think DJ moved him up a few spots. Uh, and, you know, we were talking before we started recording about some of the buzz he's been getting. And that's Jeremy Chin, uh, safety from Southern Illinois. Uh, we talked about my draftable and those spider charts. When you look at his spider chart, it's like almost completely covered. Right, the colored part of the spider chart. <laughs> so he didn't do the agility drill. So at, at the combine, um, so 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 maybe that you know kind of masked a little bit. But for the things that he did do, um, you know, at six three, two hundred twenty one pounds to run a four four five, jump forty one inches in the vert. 138 broad, 20, 20 reps on the bench press. I mean, when you look at his comparables, it's guys like Derwin James, uh, <laughs> that name is in there, uh, Kyle Duggar, another guy who, who's in this draft, uh, who, who's kind of got that athletic freak profile, TJ McDonald, Eric Berry. You know, you're, you're talking about some some guys who, who've been good safeties and are good safeties, if you're Derwin. In, in the NFL right now. And, and there's there's buzz uh, about him slipping into the end of the first round. And uh, I think DJ and even uh, Jim Nagy from the senior bowl said, if, even if that doesn't happen, there's no way he gets out of the second round. So um, that's pretty impressive from a guy coming from Southern Illinois. But when you just look at those physical dimensions and, and that athletic profile, um, you can see why you look at those traits and those, those are first, second round type traits, um, you know, for a guy of that size. So, um, you can kind of see why he's getting that that sort of buzz um, from from those guys. Yeah, I heard uh, Daniel Jeremiah on his podcast. He said he was talking to a, a scout who asked what didn't he like about uh, Jeremy Chin, and the scout told him his helmet. That's it. That's, that's, it. that's, <laughs> that's it. That's it. He played for another team. There'd be nothing yeah. <laughs> that I didn't like. Uh, I get it. I get it because it's the whole level of competition argument. You just, you know, you want to see him against uh, a higher level of competition just to see how all of that athletic stuff really translates. But <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to get that opportunity, uh, you know, when 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 he's drafted. And uh, by all accounts, according to Roger, draft is going on, baby. There's no change. This <laughs> is full speed ahead as scheduled. And you better not even say anything negative about it because he might come after your pockets. So. Yeah, he's uh, out there like Suge Knight right now, daring somebody to say something. I dare you. Say something. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as we continue draft talk, uh, here comes the part of, of the podcast I was looking for. I, I really like this this matchup idea. It's been kind of fun, uh, kind of cool to kind of pit these players up against one another and, and talk about them. Um, so we're going to get into that right now. We're going to add a little more pressure to ourselves. We're going to add a little bit of a time component uh, every good game show has has a time component to it. So we're going to we're going to put ourselves on a timer to uh, sort of give our our uh, our spiel for each player and and advocate for that player. And then, as always, uh, it takes two of the three of us to vote for that player to move them on to the next round. So without any further ado, uh, I'm going to be the timekeeper probably on some of these. We might alternate it around. Um, but we're going to start at the safety position and we're going to start with Xavier McKinney versus Grant Delpit. And Kerry, I think you're going to be stumping for Grant Delpit 
Let me know when you're ready, and I will start the timer. All right, let me get to my trusty notes here. All right, I am ready. You're ready? All right. And the timer is on go. All right, so Delpit, uh, watching him, just just wow, man, just wild traits, uh, wow explosiveness, just jumps off the screen uh, when you watch him. Um, he had some bad uh, missed tackles, uh, took some bad angles, made some weird decisions, um, you know, as a, a run defender. Uh, but when he's on, he carries some thump. Um, he's versatile. He can play a lot of different roles. Um, you can have him matched up versus detached tight ends and man coverage. Um, he can play that deep safety. He can blitz off the slot. He can cover the slot. Um, I mean, the guy brings uh, any and everything that you would want. Uh, now he has, like I said, he has some bad missed tackles um, that shows up and it, and it um, doesn't look very good. But I think uh, with him, I didn't see any egregious mistakes in coverage. And, you know, that's that is something that kind of, you know, gives me um, um, hope, you know, more or less that, uh, you know, he'll be a a solid player on the back end. Uh, I think he was battling through some injuries uh, last year uh, as well. Um, Looking at him kind of juxtaposed to McKinney. McKinney is like that responsible choice uh, that I couldn't knock anybody for making. But for me, uh, Grant Delpit's ceiling is literally the best safety in football. Like He has that kind of uh, athletic ability, and I don't think his floor is quite as scary as some people think. With time to spare, Kerry wraps it up in a crisp one minute and 37 seconds. I didn't even get a chance Hello. to <laughs> – yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even get a chance to use uh, my buzzer. I have a – you guys hear that? Yeah, I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> Even get a chance to use my my buzzer, man. I was I was looking forward to that, but Carrie was so crisp and oh, there it is. Look at that. I'm anxious, man. I'm I'm trigger finger. I'm, I want to get that thing going now. All right, so you've heard it now, so you know that the buzzer sound effect is there. So now the pressure is on, Chris. Uh, it's your turn to uh, to stump for your guy Xavier McKinney. All right, so Xavier McKinney, uh, he's a six one. 200 pound safety out of Alabama and uh what he would bring to the to the Ravens is the word that we've been using you know over and over on this podcast and that's multiple and he's a guy who can come down play the box he could play the slot he could even play the deep half of the field and I know something that hit close to you Mike was when Brandon Carr left and this is a guy who could come in and you know pretty much I I believe he could make a seamless transition. Uh, He's a guy that, you know, he has that dog in him where we saw him, I believe it was the LSU game where uh, the Alabama linebacker core was just all depleted. Everybody was going down with injuries and Saban was like, I just got to put my most trusted guy in there. And that was Xavier McKinney. And he was in there thumping. He looked like a, a linebacker the way he was hitting these guys. And you know, it's not just he's a box safety because the man can cover, too. And his he's known for his football IQ. Like, I read something that, you know, he's always watching film and he's always trying to rally guys to, to get together to watch film. And, you know, that's rare that you see that from a guy that's still in college. You know, that's that's what you see from 
you know, five, six year vets in the NFL, not a kid in college. So that's that's another plus that he has. And then, like I said, his his versatility, that's that's huge because in the NFL is on defense, especially is moving to positionless football and he can line up in the slot. He can line up uh, next to linebackers. He can line up deep if you wanted to. He's a do it all Swiss Army type type of player. Oh, look at that. Right in time. One minute, 54 seconds. Again, didn't get a chance to use the buzzer. I'm kind of bummed about that, but, <laughs> you know, what is it? Oh, oh, there we go. <laughs> As you can see, the, the, the timing is off. Uh, I got to work on my timing, and I'm probably stalling a little bit because I got to vote uh, <laughs> here on one of these guys. So let me, let me, let me frame it this way. Um so Grant Delpit uh, is a guy who I like. McKinney is a guy who I like. I think both of them, uh, if you were to draft either one of those guys into your secondary, your secondary is going to be improved, right? I don't think that you really uh, can go wrong with either one of those guys. Um, I will admit I probably lean a little bit more towards McKinney just because I like that position flexibility. But what's interesting is, just I say it that way, but you don't necessarily know that Grant Delpit doesn't have that position flexibility. Maybe, you know, they play in two different defenses. Uh, he may not be asked to move around as much as Xavier McKinney had to move around. Uh, some of that caused by injury as Chris laid out. So, uh, you know, he had to do some different things. But the fact that he had to play in some different spots really speaks to his versatility. Right. It wasn't just about, uh, well, here, here's what we're going to do in the defense. It was, well, look, we really weren't going to ask you to do this in terms of playing, you know, basically as a, as a nickel linebacker uh, or an in-the-box linebacker. But, you know, injuries set in and, and we need you to do this. And he did it. And he did it admirably. I think people might be a little bit down on him after the combine because he didn't test well. Um, I think he ran a 4-6-3-40. And I think that really kind of surprised some people. Um, but, you know, he, I look at that stuff because it's a data point. I think we all kind of see it the same way, um, but it's the tape that kind of really controls. And I think when you put on his tape, you see him all over the field. You see him playing, you know, different spots. And so uh, my vote is going to go to Xavier McKinney. I'm going to push him through to the next round. No knock on Grant Delphix. I think he's going to be a very good player as well. But, um, you know, I love that positionless football. I'm a sucker for it every time. So uh, I'm going to going to cast my vote. <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, <laughs> with Xavier McKinney. So now, in the next matchup, as we keep this moving along, we have, uh, we're going to do the running backs, right? Yeah. Yeah, Let's running backs. Yeah. Let's do the running backs. So we've got J.K. Dobbins versus DeAndre Swift. And I guess I'm probably going to have to jump into this one, which means that I might have to buzz myself um, because I think when we, we talked about this, I – probably am a little higher on Dobbins as compared to Swift, not just higher on a player in a vacuum, but just relative to each each of them. I'm probably a little bit higher on uh, Dobbins than, than you two guys are. So um, I can stump for Dobbins. Who, who, who wants to take Swift? I, I can take Swift or you want to carry uh, No, you can you can um, take Swift and I'll, um, I'll man the timer. All right. All right. So uh I'll go first on Dobbins, <clears throat> excuse me, just to, to make it, you know, fair. Um, 
because I, like I said before, I think that last word sometimes carries a little bit of weight. So, uh, timer, let me know when you're ready, and I'm ready. All right. I'm ready. Okay. I'm going to be short and to the point with J.K. Dobbins, right? It's not going to wow you, right? It's not going to be something where, you know, you're looking at it like a like a, a, a Saquon kind of runner in terms of physical ability, but he's just a professional looking running back. Does a little bit of everything well. All of the things that you want your running back to do in sort of the modern um, college game and even the modern NFL game. Um, he can run in between the tackles. He can run outside. Uh, he's solid in pass pro. He can, you know, work out of the backfield and, and is a dependable receiver out of the backfield. You know, just all of those things that you want a back to do. He's not a guy who you would have to take off the field, right, in any situation. I think he's a three-down guy. You can trust him in pass pro, which is huge in the NFL if you if you if you want to stay on the field as a running back, no matter how talented you are. Um, if if you're not able to pass protect, you're gonna lose snaps. So um, to me, that's that's what pushes him uh, to to that point for me a little bit above Swift, just because Swift, I think, has got the higher ceiling for sure and has the ability to kind of hit more of those wild splash type plays. But if you want just a dependable all around solid guy who's going to give you, you know, uh, reliable productivity, I think Dobbins is your guy. All right. I'm going to say you had roughly about 30 um, seconds to spare. I had a little issue with the timer to start off. <laughs> surprisingly, though, I, 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 I was like, man, that felt, <laughs> that felt like two minutes, but surprisingly, it wasn't. All right. So I'll start with um, with DeAndre Swift. Just let me know whenever you're ready, Terry. All right. I'm ready. All right. So uh, DeAndre Swift. Uh, he's uh, 5'8", 212 pounds, uh, running back out of Georgia, a uh, former five-star recruit out of Philadelphia. Uh, he was a team captain for Georgia. And uh, the first thing that pops out when you watch him on tape is his vision. He has incredible vision. You can see right right before he gets the ball, he's not even worried about the guys on the defensive line. He's already trying to set up dudes at the second level and even the third level. He it just you could tell the the gears in his head are, are working and he's like, all right, let me how, how am I going to set this guy up so I could, you know, have him thinking I'm running to the sideline, but really I'm just going to do a nice little spin move and run up inside for like a nice twenty yard game. And something else that I saw on on tape uh, was his ability to catch the ball. He has really soft hands. Uh, he's able to run uh, routes for, you know, he's, he's not like a, a David Johnson kind of route runner, but he has that ability to, you know, occasionally go out into the slot and, you know, get open against a linebacker if he needs to. Um, and then uh, the other thing was that I believe it's like a, a, an elite trait that he has is his elusiveness in tight quarters. Uh, we see guys who can, you know, they can have 10 yards of of grass around them and then they're able to juke a defender out of his shoes. That's all nice and, you know, for the highlight film and stuff like that. But in the NFL, when the, the you know, the, the margin for error is a lot smaller than it is in college, you need that ability to make guys miss in tight spaces. And you see that in every game that he has where 
there are like two defenders near him and he's able to just squeeze out of it and find a hole and, and get away from uh, and, and he would be tacklers. Um, another thing was he had, oh, damn. <laughs> I thought I was doing well. All right. So we got through that. I'm going to um, give my thoughts on both guys and uh, kind of see what we pan out here. Um, Dobbins, I think you hit um, Mike directly on what I thought of him um, from the jump, that three-down skill set. He's a guy that you'll plug and play right away. You can stick him in. He can he can fit in any scheme. Um, he can pass block. Uh, he can catch out the backfield. Um, he gave me a lot of like uh, kind of like old Devontae um, Freeman um, um, vibes when I watched him. Uh, um, DeAndre Swift, um, I thought he was a guy with really good feet, good balance, uh, a little bit more burst, a little more uh, start and stop quicks, uh, just kind of like a little bit more um, uh, kind of special traits to, um, traits to him. Um, Chris talked about how he would set up um, second and third level defenders, and I definitely saw that. Um, and, you know, both guys, I think, would fit um, the Ravens scheme well, uh, fit as uh, shotgun runners. Um, but for me, uh, Swift offers a little bit more of a, a, a special ability. Um, you know, I felt like he was more natural in space. He, he might give um, them some of those looks that, um, you know, we haven't really seen from that position since uh, Ray Rice. And I think him and, uh, you know, Justice Hill would would be a nice interchangeable um, uh, combination, um, you know, in the backfield, you know, and, you know, pair them with a thumper, you know, like Ingram or, or Gus Edwards. So I'm, I'm going to um, cast my vote for uh, Swift on this one. We lost Mike. Hold on. Here we go. I'm back. Oh. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, I, I took that L so hard that I was speechless. Um, <laughs> I really couldn't even gather my thoughts because I, I believe that I'm I'm now uh, winless in these matchup debates. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm 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 taking it I'm taking it pretty hard. But we still got many more matchups to go, and you know, I'm an optimist by nature, so I, I feel like I'm a, I'm gonna get one of these. I just gotta keep working, right? I gotta 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 keep my head down. Uh, you know, what, what, what did Raven say? Uh, you know, nobody cares, work harder. Nobody cares, work harder. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I got to do. So we're going to move on to this next matchup in the first round. I believe uh, this is going to be our final matchup of the first round because we should mention, I don't know if I did this in the last episode, that we tried to pair these guys up by position uh, intentionally. We wanted guys at the same position uh, to kind of debate. But there were two guys who uh, we thought uh, were, were in consideration or, or we've seen in consideration there at 28, who were not at the same position. That's A.J. Epinesa and uh, uh, Cesar Ruiz, uh, the center from Michigan. And so those guys got first round buys. Uh, that was that was Chris's idea. I think that was a great way to handle that. And so they're they're already in the in the uh, the second round. Epinesa is matched up with Patrick Queen. And that's something hopefully we'll get to a little bit later. And now Ruiz, just after that, uh, that running back matchup is now facing off against DeAndre Swift. So uh, this final 
uh, matchup. Now that I kind of tried to lay all that out in round one is between two defensive tackles. We've got uh, Ross Blacklock from TCU and a guy we talked about earlier, just just a little while ago, Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma. And I think Carrie and Chris, were you guys sort of, you know, thinking the same thing in terms of maybe being a little bit higher on Gallimore than Blacklock? Yeah, I think Uh, we were both in the Gallimore camp. Okay, so I I was on the I was on the Blacklock side of that. So I I guess I get another shot at it to see if I can uh, put a win on the board. All right, I'll keep the time on this one and uh, I guess I'll, I'll I'll be the judge. All right, who go? Okay. You get you get to pick who goes first. All right, um, I will. I'll go with you, Carrie. You go first. Okay. All right. Well, I am ready. All right. So I'm starting the clock. All right. So Neville Gallimore, um, he was one of the first uh, defensive players I watched, and uh, you know, very very impressive uh, early on with this guy. Uh, he was a guy again that I thought was going to be, um, you know, more of a um, uh, just kind of a leverage guy, um, you know, kind of squatty guy. Um, but when you watch him, you know, the guy's quick. You know, he, he has some, um, you know, real ability to, uh, you know, penetrate and, uh, and, and close on um, quarterbacks. Uh, that kind of showed uh, with um, with that 40. I mean, that his, the rest of his testing didn't go um, too great. But, you know, running four seven at his size is, is pretty impressive. Um, but, you know, outside of the the athletic testing, you watch him on tape, and this is a guy that I, I felt like is one of the more sound uh, defensive linemen in this draft. Seems to always have a plan, uh, plus hand use, um, hustles up and down the line. Um, he gives me Grady Jarrett vibes when I watch him. That, that upfield penetrator, that guy that's going to get up under you, um, that is going to, you know, always be using his hands um, and, you know, a guy that can kind of uh, create havoc. And, you know, the one thing with him is I wanted to see him finish plays, um, you know, more than he did. But I think he has the the ability and the upside um, to kind of refine some things a bit. And I think he can get to that level. Um, so that was, you know, my synopsis of uh, Gallimore. Ooh, Kerry's efficient. Did that in, in a minute, 35 seconds. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I keep taking these L's. <laughs> I, 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 feel like, I feel like we might have like a little other competition going on with the time now, too. Oh, well, we know who's winning that, too. So far. <laughs> so far uh, all right. So, you know, that that's, that's good that uh, we've got another level there to compete on, and I'll see what I can do. Um, so, so timekeeper, let me know when you're ready. All right. Um, and we are off. All right. So Ross Blacklock, TCU, um, you know, a little bit, uh, of a, of a, of a lighter body type compared to some of these guys that we've talked about. I think we said Gallimore was right around 302, 304, Blacklock was 290 pounds. But, you know, we talked about a guy like Derek Wolf earlier. And I think, you know, there's a little bit of a similarity just in terms of body type. But in terms of athleticism, when you watch Ross, uh, Ross Blacklock and, you know, you can look at the combine numbers and, and that can kind of mislead you. But when you watch him play, he is a penetrator. Right. Twitchy, explosive, 
gets off the ball, gets upfield. What I like about him is he's something that's a little bit different than what certainly than what the Ravens have had in the past, but even what they currently have. I mean, Campbell and, and Wolf are certainly better interior pass rushers than than some of the guys that they've had in previous seasons. But even even among those guys, Blacklock might be a little twitchier, a little more explosive. Um, obviously, he's younger uh, at this point. And so I'd like to see them add that guy in their defensive line rotation where you just bring that guy in for a limited number of snaps on a, a specific package and say, just go hunt, man. Just go get that quarterback. Ooh. A minute and 20 seconds. <laughs> Damn, you same bolt times over here. My player, my player may lose, but I'm, I'm gonna win something. Um, I, for me, this is the most difficult one to be honest because I'm I'm really high on on both players, and uh, like you said, Mike uh, Blacklock, uh, his athletic profile is insane. Uh, you know, just as a linear athlete, uh, being able to move side to side with the agility drills. Uh, he, you know, he was a guy that's just you know, really fascinating from an athletic standpoint. And then with uh, Neville Gallimore, he's just a guy, I, I like his violence. You know, his violence is really what, what drew me to his game. And um, I think I'm going to have to go with Neville Gallimore because he isn't quite the athlete that Ross Blacklock is, but he also, he's not a slouch either. And I think um, what he brings as far as his hand usage and, and how heavy-handed he plays and I think when you couple that with his his um, athleticism that he has on the field, because we saw at the combine he wasn't he didn't really test all that well on the agility dr- uh, drills. But um, I believe a guy like Ross Blacklock, who could I mean, sorry, a guy like Neville Gallimore could, you know, do some real damage in, in the Ravens defense. That's fair. That's fair. You know, I always respect the judge's decision. I'm not I'm not going to I'm not going to be a sore loser. (laughs) (laughs) So that is it for round one. Um, I think we wanted to try to to get as far as we could tonight. So we're we're going to we're going to, you know, dip our toe into round two here. But first, let me let me set the stage for everybody. So you kind of know what these round two matchups look like. So we've got A.J. Epinesa versus Patrick Queen. In matchup number one, we got Denzel Mims versus Yatir Gross Matos in matchup two. Cesar Ruiz versus DeAndre Swift in matchup three. Xavier McKinney versus Neville Gallimore in matchup four. So um, we're going to go through, do another round, see if we can get these guys to, uh, I guess, the semifinals, I guess is, is what that would be, or maybe maybe not, quarterfinals, I guess, and then the next round would be the semis and to the finals, maybe. I don't know. I'm really bad at that. But we're going to try <laughs> to get them through to the next round. And so, um, and this is this is going to be something that we, we didn't have any kind of pre-discussion about either, because obviously we didn't know, uh, you know, which, which guys were going to necessarily make it to this round or not. So uh, we get, you know, a little organic free flow uh, you know, real time kind of thing here. So let's start with that first matchup, and I'll I'll just I'll I'll you know ping both of you guys. Um, who you know maybe wants to 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 stump for AJ Epinesa, and who wants to stump for Patrick Queen? I'll give you our first choice, uh, Chris. Uh, shoot, I was gonna sit back and watch you guys battle it out because this this is a tough one for me. <laughs> Did I have first choice? Go, yes, I, I, I know who you're gonna pick. 
<laughs> yeah, of course I'm gonna take Patrick Queen. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm good with that. I can take Evanessa. All right, so um, so I guess since Kerry went first on the last one, uh, Mike, you could uh start us off with uh with your guy Patrick Queen. All right, let me All know right, you're so right. The, the timer is off. All right, here we go. So Patrick Queen, obviously he was good enough to beat out Kenneth Murray in the first round and make it to this round. And now he's matched up with a guy in AJ Epinesa, who I think we all saw what happened at the combine, right? We know the tape. We trust the tape. We know he's a good player on tape, but you had to, to have some questions raised in your mind about his athletic ability, right? Obviously he's a strong physical kind of player. Uh, You see that on tape, but now you got to kind of ask yourself, is he going to be athletic enough uh, to continue to play at that level in NFL. Who you don't have that question about is Patrick Queen, right? We saw Patrick Queen run uh, the 40. Him, him and Murray, but uh, when you saw Patrick Queen get out there, and, and yeah, he suffered an injury, but he still ran a 4-5, uh, <laughs> even with an injury. So that's pretty impressive. 125-inch uh, broad jump, uh, another, another you know, sort of high percentile kind of guy. And it's also a position of need, right? If you if you look at that inside linebacker position right now for the Ravens, uh, they've got Larry Larry, uh, excuse me, L.J. Fort. They've got Chris Board. Uh, they've got Otara Alaco. But Patrick Queen is a sideline to sideline blur, a guy who came in uh, to this to to last season in LSU who was not the starter, took uh, a more senior player's job because he was that good, and now we have an opportunity to see that transfer. Uh, and show up on the field for the Ravens. Ooh, a minute 35. Okay. okay. All right, so that's a minute 35. Now, Carrie, I'm whenever you're ready. I'm writing those down, too, by the way. Carrie, whenever you're ready. All right, so um, I'll start it up now. All right, so AJ Epinesa. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about the times we're in right now with this COVID-19 situation and you know, affecting guys being able to do their pro days and, you know, those kind of things. And uh, now you got to uh, trust the tape and, you know, the ultimate trust the tape guy, um, you know, one of them is um, AJ Epinesa. Uh, you know, we, we've seen the platoon uh, have effectiveness last year. Uh, who's to say we can't do that again um, um, this coming season? Uh, do you want Queen or do you want the guy that can um, get after the quarterback? We know we need guys that can get out to the quarterback. Epinesa, you know, obviously he isn't a bendy guy, isn't a twitchy guy, um, but he has that bull rush. He has those hands. Um, he has that technique. Um, he's a guy that can you can kick inside and he can, um, you know, win against guards and centers uh, in sub package. And he's a guy that's going to set a strong edge and be able to defend the run. Um, he's a bit of a tweener, uh, so it's kind of that situation where you're trying to figure out, is he an edge? Is he a five technique? Well, either way, he can help this defense. So, you know, that that's my um, – um, I'm playing my flag on A.J. Epinesa. Ooh, minute 16 seconds. 16? Hello. <laughs> a minute there 16. He's doing Bo Jackson times. All right. So he running at the crib. That's the one. He got his pro day. He having his Yeah, this, this the is the moment where I just I finish my forty and just go straight to the limo and um, you know. Do the prime time. That's it. 
so this one, yeah, this one was a, a really tough one uh, for me because uh, I like both guys and um, they they both bring different, you know, different uh, skill sets to the table. Obviously, they're both different positions. So I think this is our first discussion that it uh, where it's two guys from different positions. So now we have to put that into account as far as team needs go. And I think uh, Mike hit it on the head where he said the cupboard is a little bit empty right now with uh, just LJ Fort and then question mark next to next to him as far as the linebackers go. Because we have Chris Board and we have Alaka who was put on IAR last year, undrafted guy. Um, so I think putting a guy like Queen next to Fort, I think that would that would probably bring the defense a little bit more st- stability than if you brought in a guy like A.J. Epinesa, who I think he has a, a, a good floor, but I believe a guy like Patrick Queen has the higher ceiling. And I, I think this is the the home run pick that, that you want to try to go for. Now, there is some, you know, there is some, some uh, uh, chance that you take when you take a guy that young and doesn't have that much on film like the way Patrick Queen does. But I think all the tools you see are there and you see an ascending player. And not to take anything away from Epinesa, but I just think the ceiling is a lot higher for Patrick Queen. So I'm going to go with Queen, even though Kerry was very convincing. But I'm going to go with Patrick well, you, Queen sir. on this one. Put it, <laughs> put it on the board. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Might be my only one. But I got one. <laughs> all right. So we, we got our next matchup here. Now, I think this one is another polarizing one. Uh, maybe. Maybe it won't be, but I think it will be. We got Denzel Mims versus YGM, affectionately known as YGM. Um, so let's 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 go around the horn again. Uh, who, who's, who's feeling YGM? Who's feeling Denzel Mims? So I'm going to ride with a YGM on this one. Ooh, I didn't see that coming. I, I did not see that, that coming either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. I guess that I guess that that puts you on the Mims camp, unless you're on YGM too. I mean, I was on on YGM, but I can make the case for Mims too. Okay, now look, if you're not, I'm I'm more than than comfortable. I I I, I did some Mims stuff recently, so I'm I'm oh. I'm, I'm locked and loaded. Oh, is it, is is this one of your guys? Oh yeah. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> See. See when 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 you have like that's why I took a step back with the Patrick Queen thing because I knew that was one of your guys. That was an obvious one. Yeah, I'd put that one out there. Denzel Mim one, I've tried to keep it on low a little bit. Ooh, okay, all right. So go ahead, uh, be my guest. All right, so Carrie, I, I I think you have the on. Did you go first last time or do I go first? Uh, yeah, I think Mike oh. went first. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Mike went first yeah. because Carrie had that blazing minute and sixteen second time. Yeah, he out here running like like <laughs> somebody else's shoes on. <laughs> All right, Kerry. So um, you have Yitor Gross Mato. So whenever you're ready, let me know. All right, I'm ready. All right, clock is on. All right, so we we know by now, you know the kind of strengths and weaknesses of this draft. We know this is a historically uh, good wide receiver class, um, but. We know this seems to be a solid edge class, but it seems like there's, um, you know, there's Chase Young at the top. There is um, Chase on that, 
you know, he's kind of polarizing. People don't know quite what to do with him. And then we have some guys kind of lower down the board once you get into that later um, first round, early second round range. But all of them seem to be kind of missing something, you know, whether it's length, whether it's uh, size, whether it's explosiveness. Uh, YGM, he meets all those. He meets all that criteria. You know, uh, again, uh, I talked about him before in a JPP reference, a long, lean, athletic guy uh, with first step explosiveness, um, has some versatility, uh, but plays the run very well. Now, you know, you got to work on his pad level a little bit, need to work on his hands some. um, But again, he's a guy that has that floor as a um, run defender and um, his ceiling is double digit sack ceiling as a pass rusher. So. Uh, with wide receiver uh, being so plentiful, I'm going to go with the guy that I, I think that's being kind of undervalued in this process. I think it'll be uh, kind of a steal if you can get him at 28. So that, you know, that's my um, breakdown on uh, YGM and why he should be the pick here. A minute 32 for, for carry. Okay. Okay. Let's let, write, let, let's let. let me write that down. <laughs> I, it's still going to be hard for me to beat that though. Cause it's hard when you're you're you got a guy that you like to be brief. So yeah, I'm gonna have to work on that. All right. So All right, whenever you're ready, Mike, um, you have Denzel Mims out of Baylor, and uh, the time is starting. All right. So let me start on the other side first, right? So uh, Matthew Judon, franchised, uh, Jalen Ferguson right going into his second year so you've got some guys on the edge in terms of edge pass rushers who are one guy who's established another guy who's a young ascending player who you don't want to take snaps away from so as much as i see the upside play in a guy like ygm you have to factor that in now now think about this what's the one position among raven fans that comes up every year wide receiver everybody wants more wide receivers everybody wants a number one type wide receiver right so let me ask you a couple questions about your wide receivers guys do you like guys that are fast you guys like yes, that? We do. yes do you like guys that can jump yes oh yeah do you like guys that can change direction yes prefer that yeah yeah how about guys that can catch the ball you a big fan of that oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, Denzel, so Denzel Mims 6'3 207 pounds Four three eight forty yard dash. We all know about the high school two hundred meter track deal, so he's definitely got that track background. Uh, and what I like about Mims is he knows how he wins, and he's consistent with the way that he wins. If you don't get your hands on him at the line of scrimmage and you call a vertical route for him and you don't have help over the top, he's going to run by that cornerback. Uh, in a situation where the cornerback wants to play a little bit more physical, try to stay in front of him, get his hands on, then he plays like a big dog. Then he uses that 6'3 height and he'll bully guys, he'll back shoulder guys at the catch point. If you've got him kind of jammed up and locked up, he's got that that subtle, savvy Michael Irvin little push off to create a little bit of space right when the ball arrives. And then, of course, that 38 and a half inch vertical, just put the ball up there, he'll go get it. So to me, Denzel Mims, is 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 the pick in this matchup uh i think it's pretty clear all right you hit two minutes on the dot oh look at that i knew it would be long <laughs> but, but i didn't get buzzed i didn't get buzzed yeah my buzzer didn't even go off you just hit it like right there <coughs> Woo, it's close um ooh, all right so 
Uh, Denzel Mims versus YTM. Uh, both of you guys, as usual, make this difficult on me. Um, but I'm going to have to go with... Mm, I'm going to go with Denzel Mims. <laughs> <laughs> two for two, it baby. Was, back to back. It was, it was a, a difficult one, but it was... Uh, you know, you you make a, a compelling case, and and you didn't even bring up his blocking skills either. Didn't even have to go there. Didn't even have to go there. But um, I mean, YGM, you know, he's he is a you know an athletic freak, and uh, he's a guy that I, I really do I like him a lot, and I, I don't think he's talked about enough um, as far as an option for the Ravens in the first round. Uh, he's a guy that that definitely brings uh, a physical component, like a, an athleticism that they don't have on the on their roster right now. But then we could go on the opposite side on the offense. We could say that the Ravens, they don't have anyone with the kind of athletic gifts that Denzel Mims has. And I, I believe right now the the main priority, in my opinion, should be to take this offense to the next level. And whether that's, you know, offensive linemen or or weapons on the outside. Uh, I think that's the main priority right now for this team. And a guy like Denzel Mims, who, you know, he can he can play above the rim. He can run by guys. And that's something that this offense, you know, desperately needs because um, we don't we don't really see any any guys like that who can take over yet. I mean, hopefully, you know, Miles Boykin can develop into something like that. But um, right now, Denzel Mims, that's the choice. That's the guy that's moving on. All right, so here we go to the third matchup in round two. And this one, look, you guys certainly correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is this is this one. I think I can almost predict who wants to take each guy. Uh, this is the Cesar Ruiz um, DeAndre Swift matchup, and to me, this is just so clear. Chris, I gotta feel like you're a Cesar Ruiz guy, and oh. Carrie, I gotta feel like you're the DeAndre Swift guy. If I'm wrong, tell me we can switch it up. That's just that's just what I'm thinking. No, no, I think you got it. Yeah, you you got got it right. You got it right on the head. Okay. All right. So um, let's see. We'll 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 let who let's see. I went last in this last matchup, right? Did uh, yeah, I went last, Carrie went first. So Chris, we'll let you go first in this one, uh, with Caesar Ruiz. And as much as I love these these fast times that everybody's been running, I would also love to use my buzzer. So <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't I didn't get to use mine once. I know. I know. You got you almost got me. You were close. I almost got you. Yeah, almost. But I didn't All even right. get to use mine. I had a reggae one. It's <laughs> <laughs> so much better. So much better than mine. I don't I don't have the reggae one. Maybe I'll try to find it while, while I'm timing you here. But let me know when you're ready and I'll start the time. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. All right. Your time starts now. All right. So uh, we have uh, Cesar Ruiz. Um, he's the center out of Michigan, uh, a true junior. Uh, he's a native of Camden, New Jersey, and uh, he's he's a guy that's you know has a really interesting backstory. Uh, but first, I want to hit on the Ravens' uh, offensive line. So right now, uh, Matt Skura, he's coming off of a torn ACL, PCL, MCL, and a dislocated kneecap. Uh, he can post all the videos he wants lifting weights, but I do not believe that he will be back in time. Uh, this is the same injury that we saw Nico Nico Saragusa have a few years ago, and uh, you know this this isn't like an ACL where guys just bounce right back from it. So um, 
I believe we won't be seeing him maybe till like the sixth week of the season. Obviously, that's just speculation, but it's difficult for me to see him back. So then uh, we have Patrick McCurry, who took over for him late last season. Uh, he's a guy who a converted left tackle playing center. He did admirably well, but um, you know there's some there's some things that are lacking there for with him. Bringing a guy like Cesar Ruiz, who was a former five-star recruit, a guy that he brings the type of athleticism that the Ravens haven't seen since Nico Saragusa, who tested phenomenally when he was uh, at the Combine. And uh, it's Ruiz's most similar uh, physical comp is to uh, Nico Saragusa. And um, that's his his main uh, game when it comes to... to uh, Cesar Ruiz's his his physical uh, abilities. He's able to pull out in space. He's able to read defenses and you know call out all the protections. He's a guy that's been starting for three years on the Michigan defense uh, offensive line. That's you know just it has three other guys that are capable of, of being in starters in the NFL. Um, he isn't the most uh, he isn't the most stout. Oh damn! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't get it right. I hit it the first time, and it just like it was like an old car horn. I was like, ah. <laughs> then I had to do it again. But yes, that was at. Uh, I had to stop you at the two minute mark there. Um, but you know, you you got the full uh, the full package in for for Cesar Ruiz. I'm, I'm running the Runya Wilson times over here. <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't end well for uh, Duranya's oh, NFL hopes and dreams. Out. Absolutely. All right. So now we're going to turn it over to Kerry with DeAndre Swift. Kerry, this 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 looks like just because of the position, it looks like an uphill battle. This looks like the Giants versus the undefeated Patriots in the Super <laughs> Bowl. Ready. But I'm we know ready. what happened in that game. We know what happened for the Giants in that game. So uh, I'm going to start your time next. All right. So since uh, Mike hit on a little crowd participation, I'm going to uh, join the party. Um, do you guys like players that are on the Alvin Kamara slash uh, Josh Jacobs spectrum as uh, prospects? Yes, I like I yeah. like those guys. Yeah, I would, I would say that's pretty nice to have. Uh, do you like having guys that would be in the upper echelon of talents at the running back position? on a rookie scale deal for four uh, or maybe even five years if you pick up that fifth-year option? Yes, Most sir. definitely. All right. So, I mean, the the the, the case makes itself. Uh, Swift, uh, again, as I uh, talked about earlier with him, has that feet, has that balance, has that burst. Um, you know, he's a guy that is a true uh, a game changer uh, in every sense. The only... Uh, knock I have on him and it's kind of digging to even find a knock is that I feel like he's an unremarkable um, uh, finisher uh, physically Um, but nothing that is concerning overly concerning he falls forward um, plenty on tape Um, but I think it's a a chance to add another special dimension uh, to the offense and uh, just thinking about uh, the possibilities uh, with him in the backfield, him out of that pistol, splitting him out wide, doing a lot of different things, and being able to save money on, on the back end of it, uh, too, uh, is just too compelling to me uh, to go in a different direction um, uh, other than him um, over Ruiz, who I like. But I think you can find comparable 
uh, guys at 55 or 60. Uh, one I like is uh, Jonah Jackson in Ohio State, who kind of gives you some center guard flexibility. Uh, so, you know, that that is my argument for Swift. One minute, 52 seconds. Look at that. Always coming in <laughs> under two minutes. He just finds a way uh, to make the case and make it in time. Very, very professional. Um, so let me say this. On its face, this looked like a huge mismatch, positional mismatch, right? But very compelling case Kerry made for DeAndre Swift. Uh, some strong comps in there. I mean, you throw around those names, Alvin Kamara, Josh Jacobs. We saw the kind of rookie season he had. Uh, we know Mark Ingram um, is as is, is good as he was last year. And as many of those highway as opposed to city miles that he has on him uh, because he, he he got to split time in NFL. I, I'm sorry, in, in New Orleans. He wasn't, you know, the guy carrying the load the entire time he was there. Uh, you always want to look to the to the future. And this is a run first offense, you know, as, as good as Lamar is as a passer. This this is a run first offense. So for me, in this matchup between these two guys, Swift is the pick if if Marshall Yonda had not retired. So <laughs> because Marshall Yonda retired, that actually uh, uh, pushes me in the other direction where I have to go with Cesar Ruiz because I look at him and from what I watched. A very athletic guy. You look at a guy who can pull from the center position, not just one gap, not just two gaps, sometimes three gaps. Sometimes he real he'll he'll pull outside the guard and the tackle and a tight end, uh, which is something that you just don't see a whole lot uh, with, with centers. But still also has the strength and the power to anchor uh, inside against, uh, you know, those bull rushes. And I think he also has the flexibility where he could play probably either guard position. So if you're looking at some of the things that Chris mentioned, if you're looking at, you know, Scurub, you know, maybe his his status being a little uncertain in terms in terms of being healthy enough to start the season or or, you know, what he's going to look like when he comes back from from those serious injuries with Marshall Yonder retiring. I think right now, if, just if you look at him right now, I think Cesar Ruiz is more athletic than Ben Powers or Bradley Bozeman right now. So I think you could bring him in. And he's a guy that really could help uh, your your offensive line, you know, solidify and cover up for Marshall Yonder retiring and, um, you know, Matt Skura uh, maybe being a little bit of a question mark. So he's the pick for me. Man, I was over here throwing up my hands and then I heard Mike say if. And I'm like, what the hell did you mean out. if? I had to start it out that way. <laughs> you got to build the drama. You got to build the drama for the people. Right? That's, that's, that's what I hear. Um, okay. So now we're into the uh, – I've always wanted to use this word. I don't know if I'm using it right. So the one before the last thing, the penultimate matchup uh, in the first round. <laughs> uh, it, it, well, no, no. See, I knew it. No, no, I got that right. Because we did so, see, yeah, okay. Yeah, this is the last one or the second round. Oh, well, then, damn, I used it wrong. This is the final one. Penultimate is the one before the final one, see? Mm. That's what happens. You know your vocabulary, man. <laughs> don't use words that you don't know what they mean. You need to take a lesson from what I tell my kids. Uh, all right, so that means we've got Xavier McKinney versus Neville Gallimore. I believe that's the, the, the last and final matchup here. So, this one, I don't know. This one, I felt pretty good about calling the last one who was on what side. This one, I really don't know. Um, let me this just one, 
this one, I think we should just all three just see what, because um, we all, we just went over these guys, like, you know, their skill sets and what they can do. I think we should just all three see who would be, in our opinions, who would be the the greater fit for the Ravens and just go around like that. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I'm good. All right. I'm going to I'm going to go uh, first name alphabetical. Kerry, who you got? All right. So with these guys of these two, I'm going to lean towards McKinney. Um, again, we've talked at nauseum about his uh, versatility. Um, I, I love his experience and the sophisticated uh, defense, um, you know, that Alabama defense, uh, not just the moving him around. It's just the, the scheme overall. Uh, Saban does that pattern matching and some sophisticated, you know, NFL things. And I think that helps um, guys uh, transition uh, quicker into an NFL role. And then uh, kind of comparing um, uh, the positions, uh, I think he's a, a legitimate um, free safety, um, you know, center field guy. And I think that's a position that, that typically – Typically, you have to spend up um, money-wise or you have to spend up in draft capital. And I think a guy like him would kind of give the Ravens leverage uh, with Earl Thomas going forward, you know, as the years go by, you know, if that situation gets tougher um, to me, there'll be kind of more of a leveraged, um, you know, position with him because they'll have a guy like McKinney in the fold. They They can man that free safety spot. All right, Chris, who you got? Um, I'm going to go with Gallimore. Um, you know, when we look at the Ravens' defensive line, uh, we have Derek Wolf, who's 30 years old. We have Brandon Williams, who's over 30. Calais Campbell's over 30. Um, and then behind them, we have Justice Ellis and Daylon Mack and then Patrick, uh, Patrick uh, Ricard. Uh, so there, there's really not a lot of depth on this team when it comes to the, the defensive tackle. Uh, rotation that they have going on. So that's why I want to go with Gallimore because he's a guy that can, you know, he can have, we can have someone on the roster who we can look, you know, towards the future and, you know, develop him and bring him along. But he can also bring a skill set that's not on the roster yet when it comes to a 300 pound guy who could shoot through gaps the way he does and, and brings the, the, you know, the, the kind of, uh, athleticism that he has um, I think with McKinney uh, he's like Kerry said you know he's a flexible player he'll, he'll fit in great with the Ravens but I just think that the need for a interior defensive lineman is still just a little bit higher just because of the whole injury concerns that they are with uh, Derek Wolf and you know like I said these guys are older so I feel like there's a, a young dog that needs to be on this on this defensive rotation that, you know, could possibly build on and, and become a, a more prominent a starter on this team later down the road. And while I certainly agree that they need to get younger on the defensive line, um, it's, it's probably the oldest position group on the team right now. I think with multiple second round picks, as well as their other picks, I think you still have an opportunity to do that later uh, in the draft. So McKinney's the pick for me for that reason. And also because um, 
similar to and, and piggybacking on, on what Carrie mentioned about Earl Thomas and, you know, maybe you've got another one to two years with him uh, to, to, to play at, at, a, at a high level before you need to think about who could take over from him. Uh, McKinney is a guy who I think could transition into that role. You're bringing him in now while Earl still is playing at a high level. Let him sort of sit back and learn, um, work him into some packages. And I think if you look at the, you know, from a financial investment, uh, you know, standpoint and also just, you know, team building, you know, sort of perspective, the Ravens clearly have, have shown us that they want to invest in their secondary. Right. Just 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 look at look at the guys. Marley uh, Humphrey, former first round pick. Marcus Peters, although, you know, traded, you know, from, you know, to get from the Rams to the Ravens, former first round pick. Earl Thomas, former first round pick. Jimmy Smith, former first round pick. Mm-hmm. So I think they have a pretty they, they, they have a pretty clear, uh, clear roadmap of uh, where they want to spend, uh, you know, sort of that premium capital, whether it's money or draft picks. And I think it's in the secondary. So that's why in this in this matchup for me, the pick is McKinney. So McKinney you guys, goes on. You guys didn't have to gang up on me like that. You had to, <laughs> you had to do it, man. It's like it's, it's 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 like those those wilderness, those nature shows, you know. You see something, you see a young animal wounded, sick, you pounce on it, man. <laughs> and so that that's 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 what we did. It's it's uh it's, you know law of survival, right? Yeah, um, man. Okay, so. Let's see where we are in our matchup. So we had Queen go through against Epinesa. We had Mims go through against YGM. We had Ruiz go through against Swift. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, Swift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then we had McKinney go through against Gallimore. So now the matchups Ooh. that we have for that Final. next round. Final four. We've got Patrick Queen versus Denzel Mims. And we've got Cesar Ruiz versus Xavier McKinney. I think it's a good place to to stop with with that part of the pod because we still have what two more weeks before the draft, um, and you know that gives us a week to kind of wrap this up and 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 get to um, you know our winner uh, in in this little project. And of course, we teased this on the last pod. We have something else that we're really working on for you guys uh, for the week of the draft or right around, you know, the, the, the draft, maybe the week before the draft, which I think is really going to be special, really, really different. Um, something that, you know, we, we, we really are excited about doing. So, uh, I think we've got enough time to do that unless I'm wrong. If you guys say, Hey, if you, if you want to take it at least one more to try to get, get it to the final two, and then we say the final two for the next pod, you, you know, you guys let me know how you want to do that. Cause this was not, we didn't know how this was going to go and how far we were going to get. Yeah, I, no. I think we could. I think we could cap it here. Yeah. And, um, you know, I I got to regroup from that last whooping because I'm a little <laughs> disoriented right now. It's like we woke, woke up from that nap again. You know, where, <laughs> where are you? Oh uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I think this is a good a good cap to have, and uh, we'll do the final four, and we'll we'll um we'll settle it next week. Carry you on board. Yes, sir. That works for me. All right. Well then, hey, that this sounds like a a, a perfect place to just uh, you know go to both of you guys and, and get any final thoughts that you have before we close out the show. Gary, I'll go to you first. Yeah, uh, just uh, again uh, appreciate the support that everybody's giving us out here. Um, 
you know, again, rate um, and review the show. Um, give us um, give us your feedback uh, and, you know, let us know what you think. Uh, but definitely just uh, appreciate the support. Um, hopefully everybody's um, safe out there. Uh, you know, take care of your families, uh, take care of your health. And, um, you know, we'll see you guys again soon. All right, Chris, final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts. Um, you know, everybody's getting excited. Uh, we could finally, you know, see the the draft is, is you know, right in our sights. So we're almost there. Um, if there's any players that you guys want us to hit on, just, you know, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. Um, I believe, you know, most people that listen to this follow at least one of us on Twitter. So uh, hit us up on Twitter and just uh, let us know if you want to hear about any prospects and uh, our opinions on them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for me, um, just in closing, um, as we're still in these quarantine situations or stay home order situations, you know, whatever it is uh, where you live, if you're if you're in the United States right now, um, you know, take some time to appreciate this time uh, with your families. You know, if, if, if you have young children, even if you don't. Um, but I do. So, I mean, that that's the perspective that I come at this from. Take some time um, to, to appreciate that. Right. Because you don't often get a chance to spend this much time with them. And, you know, people who have adult children will always tell those of us who have younger children. It happens fast. They grow up fast. And, you know, before you know it, they're they're gone uh, and out of the house. So um, uh, and I can see that, you know, that's a, that's a perspective that I appreciate. So uh, take some time to enjoy that. I understand there's a little bit of cabin fever at times, but. Hey, just tonight, uh, I got caught up in a in a renegade dance challenge. My son and my daughter making TikTok videos, sending them around to different people in the family. And now I've been challenged <laughs> by my brother. I've been challenged. So I got to learn a renegade dance and I got to make a video. And look, you know, we'll we'll debate. We're, we're, we, we're competitive guys. We like to have fun with competition here. Obviously, there's going to be a video of that because I have to do it. It's the only way that I can show that that I did it uh, to, to hold up my end of the challenge. Maybe if I lose some kind of competition that we come up with at some point uh, in, in the future, that video might find its way publicly on the Twitter. God, Ooh. I hope not. But it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm willing to have some fun with it, right? Because I think, you know, we're in these times and, and, and there there is, you know, a lot of a lot of things to possibly, um, you know, uh, get you down. Um, do some things to lift people up and have some fun. So I'm, I'm willing to put that out there. So we'll see. We'll see. But that, that's my long winded way of saying just, um, you know, look, look for the positives uh, in this situation, because as, as grim as it may seem, sometimes there, 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 there are some positives there. So, hey, until the next time, this is Mike signing off for Carrie and Chris. And uh, uh, you'll hear from us soon. Drop it on the one, one.